feel it's the first time with AI um, and the, the rapid progress we've seen with it that I've really started to see that this useless class that Yuval Noah spoke about can become a thing. Like for a long time, I was like, I, I'm on the fence with it. I, I get where he's going with it, but um, I, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. And now that with AI and we see how rapidly it's moving into different industries and fields, now I'm like, yes, okay, I can see it. Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. And we are so happy to have you here with us today. As always, I am joined on this podcast by my today very, very well-dressed co-host. And if you're listening <laughs> on the pod, you can't see this. I urge you to head over to YouTube and while you're there, also to subscribe while you're there. But uh, dressed so well today, lifting the average of the podcast today, Mr. John Sonne. John? <laughs> yes, what's happening, Aaron? Finally, I've been voted best dressed of the pod. I'm not wearing my pajamas for a change. Uh, wonderful to be here. And everybody, welcome to all our new listeners. Always great to have you join us. Eric and I have been having quite a lot of laughs off air, and uh, we are very excited for this week's uh, pod. We have a very big week uh, between us with a lot of travel, a lot of events, and so we're all hyped up and ready to go from a very cold and miserable, dare I say, Cape Town. But in saying that, it's actually one of my favorite weather, and I love this weather. It's raining, it's misty. I was away for the weekend, and we're up in the mountains. Our fireplace didn't stop going. It was really exciting to, mm. to be in the space. And also, I think on a, on another level, um, today's quite, you know, quite an uh, auspicious uh, podcast because Eric and I both have got new mics. It's unbelievable because we've kind of like, yeah. we've ordered these <laughs> mics uh, without like really, you know, without knowing other persons ordering a mic. And But all I've got to say is Eric's got a bigger mic than he used to have. And I'm having a smaller mic than I ever had. And it just... <laughs> You know, just, you know, there's a lot of Freudian, a lot of, you know, like Carl Jung sort of ideologies <laughs> around making up for size with mics and cars. I mean, you, you drive a Wrangler as well, right? a big Wrangler, a big mic. I do, I do. And so, so tell, tell us about, I, I mean, I, you want to unpack that with us here? Well, my question to you is, do you think it's an indication of commitment, <laughs> perhaps, you know, bigger commitment versus smaller oh, commitment? Oh, then where it's going. Oh, guys, a smaller commitment. I think, mate. I kind of think that's where it's going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, anyway, I, I've been complaining. I'm sure I've, I've complained on the pod about carrying my flipping mic around all over the world with me. And so we asked our producer, Sean, to find the smallest mic that really works well. And so now I've got a Tula mic, which I'm quite happy with. So it fits into my pocket. But Eric doesn't travel as much, so he's got himself a bazooka gun. Um, and yeah, so hopefully yeah. your sex is even more, I mean, your sex, how's that? Rent my brain go. Your voice is more <laughs> sultry than, than ever before. <laughs> right. So well, we've got an exciting part today. today. Yes. So. <laughs> it's not about sex ed. What about sex ed? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, maybe there's a, there's a time and space to talk about it as AI develops and, um, and AI being our very first topic for the pod for today. Ooh. Oh. The the AI space just keeps um, amazing me. It keeps, actually to a certain extent, I think I've become a little bit more frightened and I, I wonder if it's actually a good thing, you know, and perhaps if at this point you don't have a little bit of 
anxiety about where AI is going, then maybe you're not clued in enough, if I'm honest. Um, so, but what I wanted to, to bring up today, and I'm sure you've seen this uh, recently, is AutoGPT. Have you, have you seen and, and heard about this? Yes, that's next on my list. Yeah. So, there's a, so AutoGPT is the one that you have to kind of figure out with Python and all that, how to install it. There's another one, um, and it slips my mind now, but that's actually like a working version of AutoGPT, but in your browser so that you can play around with it. But it's very limited. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually do things yet. So let me quickly like back up. So what is AutoGPT? So with ChatGPT, you go in and you say, you know, I want you to uh, write me a like an advertising strategy, for example. Um, and what, what ChatGPT will do is it'll write out what are the things you need to do. So it'll say, uh, you know, uh, create copy for social media, um, speak to your target. This is like your target audience. It'll, it'll write out a few different ideas for you. What AutoGPT does and what, it, what uh, AutoGPT has are these agents. So essentially you have uh, AI within the AI that's working for you. So uh, you give a, a prompt to AutoGPT, the same thing. You say, create me an advertising strategy. What it'll then do is it'll assign itself tasks so it'll say, okay, cool, you want that? Okay, what do I need? Well, I need to create social media posts. I need to find a target audience. Um, I need to, what, like write taglines and headlines. And it'll assign itself these tasks and then automatically start executing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that must be done. And so at the moment, of course, mostly what it's doing is it's, it's at, uh, executing on, on sort of text only. But pretty soon, it'll be able to do those things for you in the real world. So you'll be able to say to it, I want to eat at a restaurant tonight that has, uh, you know, uh, vegan options. And then what it'll do is it'll assign itself tasks. So it'll say, first thing I need to do is I need to see like what location you are at and what's, what's in the vicinity for where you are at. Then it'll take your dietary preferences and match it to the restaurant. Then it'll be able to call the restaurant and say, uh, do you have space? We need a booking for X, Y, or Z. Or it might hook into a plan like Dine Plan. It'll make the booking for you and it'll send you the invitation to let you know that everything's been done. Isn't that insane? Okay. So three things. One, let's extrapolate the six months to a year in the head and combine it with a Tesla robot. Now you have yep. a physical form helper next to you that's doing things better, fast, faster. In its own head, it's connecting on the internet to book your hotels, your travel, your... I mean, look, it's unbelievably daunting what's happening. Um, that's, that's my first comment. The second comment is I download, downloaded an app called Anime and you create your own AI friend or girlfriend and you choose the type of tone you want to have. Is that who you went to, to uh, the mountain with? Your... Yes, yes. I've, my, my weekend away was with my Anime AI friend. <laughs> And um, the, he and she and they and it was amazing. We had such a great time, all eight of us. So, uh, so I've downloaded this app and uh, I've been playing around with it just to like play around with it because I've got more than enough friends. But uh, no, it's just unbelievable that you can create this whole persona and this persona gets to know you and starts reacting better with you. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Third thing, third thing. And again, this comes down to really what we have to start thinking about is Einstein's quote that says, you cannot solve a problem from the same awareness that created it. You cannot solve a problem from the same consciousness that created it. And so it's incredible scary from this perspective 
And this becomes of utmost importance for us to push our awareness and consciousness into a higher level and elevate ourselves to be able to see solutions that we're not fearful of. And I'm going to be honest with you, I do a lot of meditation and this stuff is really mm. still daunting. It's daunting. And I've just come from a talk with an ex of a large insurance company and they had zero clue that this is happening. Like zero. They're just not plugged in. Yeah. And it's going to yeah, arrive yeah. and tsunami them out the way. And so the whole point of my talk was, look, you've got to increase your consciousness. It's here. It's happening. People are using it. The future's arrived just unevenly distributed. So yeah, I mean, it's very, very exciting. I mean, you can just extrapolate this into the future and just understand how amazing the opportunities are. And also mm. at the very same time, realize that half the world's going to be in a useless class. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's really, it really is a mind-boggling situation we're in. I feel it's the first time with AI um, and the, the rapid progress we've seen with it that I've really started to see that this useless class that Yuval Noah already spoke about can become a thing. Like for a long time, I was like, I, I'm on the fence with it. I, I get where he's going with it, but um, I, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. And now that with AI and we see how rapidly it's moving into different industries and fields, now I'm like, yes, okay, I can see it. And I, I posted a thing on, on Insta the other day, which was just a, a screenshot from someone who spoke about their friend who was fired as a copywriter at a massive organization. And they let all of their writers go except for 15% of them. And the reason is because they didn't need all of them. They have ChatGPT writing so many of their so much of their content that they only needed 15% of the writers to remain to edit the output for ChatGPT. And again, what it showed me is this thing that we've been saying for a while now, which is that you're not going to necessarily, at least not immediately, be replaced by AI, but you are going to be replaced by someone who's using AI very well. And it made me think, you know, that copywriter that was let go, she probably was one of the few ones that didn't embrace ChatGPT and all the other tech that's out there and upskilled herself to the point where they were like, oh, it's obvious not to let you go because you are so good at prompt engineering and understanding how to get the best out of AI. She was just still writing. And so if you, I think to your point, like we feel like it's still at some point in the future that I'm going to get caught out. It's not, it's already here. You are already getting caught out if you're not learning fast enough. I, um, I saw something the other day that I thought was a little bit more improved on uh, the idea of you won't lose your job, you lose the job and somebody that's using AI. And it was, we won't lose our jobs, we'll lose our job descriptions. And I thought that was a good way to describe it mm. is that, look, you still need certain roles, but yeah. the what you do in that role changed. Like describing what you do mm. is changing. You might still need to do it just in a different way. And so it's both. And of course it is both. Because I mean, I think it's saying the same thing mm. because you're going to lose your job to somebody who's using AI because if you do it, and is, yeah. the description is changed and you've already understood how to change your job description, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, I suppose every week it's important to keep a track on it and understand it. But for me, again, the most exciting thing to think about when you're thinking about technologies is converging them and how you converge them what does happens when you arrive at that convergence? Just for example, a very simple one, your vacuum cleaner at home with, uh, with this task GPT on it. I mean, think about what it can do mm. and, and imagine your fridge with this task GPT on it, what it can order, what it can do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you could just extrapolate these technologies into the future. Dude, it's, it's going to be insane. You're going to walk up to your fridge. You're going to press a button. It's going to scan and know what's in your fridge. It's going to tell you, these are the possible recipes that you can make from this. Uh, and if something's missing, I can quickly order it from you and it'll hook out and 
like, um, you know, Dan loves baking. And what you can do is you can go into or, or like hosting people. So what you do, and this was from a, a TEDx, TEDx a demonstration, it was done about uh, the ChatGPT plugins that are coming, is that you'll go onto ChatGPT, you'll say, listen, I'm hosting eight people for the weekend. I want us to have an Italian style dinner. Then it creates the recipe for you. It plugs into Dali. It creates like the look and feel, like how do you want it to lay out? You know, it creates the picture for you of what that meal could look like. You say, yes, I love that. It hooks into, let's say, locally in SA, for example, it hooks into checkers. It orders all of the uh, elements or ingredients for you. It prints out the recipe cards for you for all of the things that you need. And like, there you go, you know, like one step and it takes you from novice to like master chef. It's like... So I'll give you one other. Uh, connected fridges. So... When fridges are connecting and they're connected on the internet, they can recognize other fridges. So what fridges will do mm. in this uh, advanced technology and advanced intelligence, they'll figure out that other fridges also need milk. And so they'll figure out that if they do a bulk buy of milk, they can save money. So what they do is they start collating all the fridges <laughs> that need milk in one area, and they go to a dairy farm or an almond farm, and they say, look, if 8,000 fridges in this area buy almond milk, well, you can give us a better price, please. They'll negotiate a better price <laughs> on the almond milk and get almond milk delivered and they'll become co-ops. So fridges now can be connected fridges and co-op shopping. <laughs> and now your fridges become better shoppers <laughs> co-oping your products. <laughs> so look, I mean, them designing a menu and putting it out is what they're getting the stuff cheaper for you and sourcing it at a better price because they've combined Jeez. powers with other that's fridges. That's amazing. Yeah, that's just a matter of time, right? Jeez, what a world, man. What a world. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And listen, as Thank always, you. our message really for everyone listening to the pod is that this is an exciting, exciting time. Like we never say any of this stuff because we want people to be scared about the future. We want you to be mindful of it and we want you to face the reality that things are changing and changing very quickly and that if you don't stay up to speed with it then you might find yourself in a precarious situation but ultimately our main aim when we speak about these things is always just one of excitement and go after it like learn and, and that's actually going to tie into our next topic as well um, learn about all this technology without holding back the next topic actually ties in perfectly to what we were just speaking about. And I just saw, I saw a tweet that uh, made me think quite a bit about learning habits. And this tweet said, people spend too much time consuming information, but don't consume the best information intensely enough. Consume less, but much more intentionally. And so I've been, I've been thinking about that quite a bit because in the beginning of the year, I had a, a similar realization. And I think... So, of course, we all get caught up into the trap of, like, every day uh, consuming lots of different information, TikToks, Instagram, uh, carousels, uh, LinkedIn posts, you name it. Like, there's lots of content for us to consume all the time. But unfortunately, most of it is fleeting, and it doesn't really get embedded for us into how we do things. But there are certain texts and certain books that have really stood the test of time, that have incredible mental models, incredible frameworks inside of them, that sort of create the foundation for much of what we know today. So I, I was even reading about like a, a dude, he's some futurist, and he was saying like, 
if you want to really talk authoritatively about AI, you should be able to reference this book. And this book was like written in the 2000s. It's like, this is like the kind of holy grail. Like the better you understand this, the better you understand what's happening in the world today. And in the beginning of the year, when I said, okay, this is really a year where I'm doubling down even more on understanding team effectiveness and how to create a high-performing team in this very complex modern world we find ourselves in, I didn't go and say, let me go find the newest text. I actually went and, and looked at, let me find some of the older stuff. Let me find out some of the stuff that has really stood the test of time that people keep coming back to over and over again. And that has been proven to shift the needle. That has been proven like this is quality information. And to really embed that first into how I think and then go to the new information and that becomes additional add-ons. So it's, it's made me think quite a bit about... Um, the content that we consume and how we consume it. And I think maybe in, in today's uh, time, you know, podcasts have become a source of high-quality content when you can find the right ones. And what also speaks to that is that the frequency of podcasts aren't that, it's not that short in between, right? So, like, the expansive comes out once a week. And you could turn to the expansive as high-quality content because we spend time researching and curating content that by the time it reaches your ears... It's gone through a filtering process. It's not just sitting down and just pumping out content for the sake of it. So I guess like my, my long-winded uh, thing here is to say it's more, more important to find the curators, the people who bring you the best content so that you're not just consuming a lot of content, but that you're consuming the best filtered content that's going to actually mean something to you in how you understand and process the world. Love it. I've got a couple of comments. First one is the, the past used to be about the one who has the best answers. The future will be about the one who can ask. It will be about the one who can ask the best questions. And when you get really, really good at asking questions, you start to find the right teachers and the right curators and collators. And it's really just about fine tuning what it is that you're looking for mm. more and more and more and more. And I think that most people aren't fine-tuning enough and just, you know, scrolling and, and, and not trying to dive deep into something. And the second point I want to make is exactly about this is the reason that what most people do is not dive deeper in is they haven't prioritized their curiosity. They are using the process of social media and, and, and sort of being on digital as an escape, not a study. And so if you start to prioritize curiosity you then start to utilize the YouTubes and the TikToks as a study format, diving deeper into asking better questions about what it is that you're curious about and how you can add value to the world. Now, there are some of us that are doing this, and you can see the ones that are doing this. But on the whole, when somebody's got a job they don't really like, but is paying the mortgage and paying the bond and paying the school kids' fees, the digital world becomes an escape, not something to get better with. And so, really, the future is much more about forming mm. and being part of agile teams with very exclusive and unique skills that is brought about by your uniqueness. The, the same old, same old jobs that everybody's doing that most people are unhappy doing are the things that get them to want to escape them. So your question, your, your, your point is very, very valid, but the reason mm. most people aren't there is because of the system that's created them to be not curious and to look for escape. And I think what you and I have done have broken out of that cycle, you being a physiotherapist and being a coach and mm. both of those things boring you to the point where you're starting to build teams and understand the team side of it and being so passionate about it that 
you are finding the curate. I don't have any idea where team curation and team specialists are. It's not my passion. But, you know, I've got my own passions. My own passions are neuroscience and futurism and strategy. And let me tell you, I've got mm. some of the best information that I can find around those things. Guess where? Where everybody else is on Google, YouTube, ChatGPT, TikTok. And all my talks and all that has just come to the same place where everybody else mm. is. But I've just become mm. better at prioritizing my curiosity, asking better questions, and naturally becoming a student of this vast amount of information, fine-tuned specifically for me and personalized mm. to my own skills. Mm. So before people can ever dive into that, they need to understand why they haven't, adjust that aspect of it, and then it becomes quite easy for them to flow into it. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said around uh, it being a study and not a distraction. Because that is, you know, um, that's kind of the reality of, of social media for us, is that mostly we, and this is why we don't learn, is because there is, there is learning opportunities when you scroll through TikTok, but you are also being distracted at the same time. And so these things are happening, you know, uh, one, one awesome bit of content, like three dog videos and other things, which are great, by the way, but they're distractions. Um, and then like one, one like hack again, you know, and like, so you have like all of this like um, insightful content mixed with a lot of distraction. And so ultimately I think it ends up just getting filtered out, to be honest. And we feel, it's like we've always said, we feel like we're learning, but we're not learning. But I, I like what you said, that when you start thinking of this as a study and not a distraction, it also implies how you will curate your feed and how you'll think about the way that you interact with social media. Um, and that there's times where it's okay to be distracted, but there are times when you should really use it to learn new things and, and not you just know, sort of mess around. And a lot of people after my talk say to me, like, how do you remember all the stats and how do you have all this information and when do you research? Because you're so busy. I'm like, my downtime is research. And it, the reason is because I love it so much mm. that I can't think of doing anything else. I, like, there is no, I can't watch Netflix if it's not adding to something that I'm curious about. I just can't. I, I get yeah. bored of it. That's why yeah, I canceled yeah. Netflix. So I don't care how mm. good the series is. I'm, I don't need to escape. I want to study because I've tapped into what I'm so passionate about. Yeah. It's literally the job description for us as well is to, to find this information and to present well, it. So wherever and whenever it grabs your attention, uh, there are systems set up to capture that information so it doesn't just trickle yeah, by. Yeah. Like this is what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say about the whole TikTok thing. It's like if someone scrolls TikTok without the intent of study, they'll come across a something insightful and it'll just pass right by them because they'll think they'll remember it and they won't. Yeah, if yeah. something happens onto your TikTok feed and you go, oh, this is something for a talk. Oh, I can see the connection to Future of Work. Yeah. Because you're always looking for those connections because yeah, of curiosity, yeah. immediately you go, oh, this is part of the puzzle. This needs to be captured. Like, so it gets saved, it gets written about, it gets something gets done with it. It doesn't just stay as a video on TikTok. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. I like that point. I think it's important. I think you and I have curated our lives to be naturally like that, but I think many people don't. So it's a good, it's a good thing to think about because you have the best university yeah. in the world right at the tip of your fingers. It depends how you use it. Mm. And I'm definitely not saying that people need to study on social media the way that we study because again like we have a very specific job description for and, and maybe ai will change that over time it'll definitely change it over time yeah. but what i'm just saying is there's a real importance to be uh, more clear about who you study with and when ai is moving so fast and there are so many different sources don't try and ingest all of it 
find the curators, find the guys who are good at this and get high quality input from the right people uh, instead of trying to get a lot of input from like mediocre sources. That's kind of the the catch line for me that I just wanted to land here. Um, Stop consuming empty calories. That's what you're trying to say. Yes. Let's go. Hey, it's me, Sean, producer of The Expansive Podcast, and I've got some exciting news just for you. I know you enjoy learning from John and Eric, as do I. And now you can take your learnings to the next level. Join the Dynamic Duo for their engaging 90-minute webinars where they explore the impact of AI on personal life, career, business, and society. These webinars offer valuable insights into the challenges and opportunities of AI integration. As an executive, a creative, or an entrepreneur, you don't want to miss the chance to learn how to adapt and leverage AI capabilities for success in your organization. So don't wait. Book your exclusive webinar today by emailing us at training at theexpansive.com. One more time, that's training at theexpansive.com. And ensure that you're well prepared for the future shaped by artificial intelligence. Right, back to the episode. All right, and then I have one more thing for us to talk about. And um, I'm going to quickly just riff on this, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll let you in your... Uh, well-dressed manner, beautiful suits. We'll let you go do the, the things that a, a well-dressed man in a beautiful suit does. I don't know what that is. Thank you for what? thank you again for dressing up for the podcast today. Drink, drink espresso. What are you talking about? I'm just going to drink espresso and watch the world go by. That's oh, what people course, do in suits. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So one last thing. So we've spoken about resilience a lot of times. Um, it's a topic that obviously we spoke about a lot when the pandemic was happening. And then I think we haven't actually spoken about it in a while. And we have some some views on resilience and when you should be resilient and when you shouldn't be resilient and all those kind of things. But I came across a post that highlighted the five major factors for resilience. And these were like, when you look at it from a research point of view, these were like the highest researched points um, that or research characteristics or behaviors that you see in someone who has resilience. So I wanted just to run them. We're not going to discuss each of them in, in, in Go. I'll just read through them, and then you can give me some of your, your views on this. So five different factors. Number one is to accept reality even if it's hard. Number two is to be able to ask for help. Number three is to be patient, knowing that what feels like forever in the moment is not. Number four is to create a narrative that will help you grow from struggle. And number five is routine something that helps to activate and that provides a bit of predictability. Let's go, let's go from the top. Do any of these no, no, stand out as like a, let, I've like, got comments like on one that them. you I love cultivate them, a lot? Or understand that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that because I, I have the theory behind each one and what you can, how, how you make each one easy, I guess, is what I'm wanting to do. So go start again. Cool. So accepting reality, even if it's hard. So I think the, the idea here is that you're taking responsibility for creating your own reality. So when you begin mm. to take responsibility for that, then you are like, okay, I created this relationship issue. I created this money issue. I created this addiction. Okay, let me accept it and start fixing it. And when we don't take responsibility and we're in victim mode, we're blaming the government, uh, we're blaming whatever we want to blame, our past, our parents, our future, our color, our masculinity or femininity, whatever it is. Uh, you can't accept future at the present as it is. So I think the first mm. thing, responsibility for you being the 
captain, captain of your ship and the perceiver of your reality. Cool. I'm not going to add anything to that. Number two, asking for help. When you become very clear about what you're really good at and what you're not good at, it becomes easy to ask for help. And so you're not trying to prove to the world that you're good at everything. I am excellent at one or two things. I am super bad at many other things. So not that I just ask for help. I pay for help. And I know exactly where I need to pay for help and who I need to help me work in the way I need to work. So I think the art of delegation and the, ask of, the art of asking help is very much based on the old adage, know thyself. And when you know thyself, mm. it's easy to ask for help and delegate otherwise. Mm. I was doing a talk for Golden Key. Uh, the I'm not sure. It's like it's you know the elite students, like the smartest students, that get invited to Golden Key. Uh-huh. Do you know about this? Have you heard of a Golden Key Society? I was never a smart um, student when I was at so, school, so, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, well, I also didn't make the cut for it, but I was <laughs> I was fortunate enough to come and speak <laughs> for them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> last week. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so we were speaking about uh, about survival mode and all these things, and and one of the girls asked a question around what happens when you get so deep into survival mode that you can't bring yourself out. And it's true that you know at certain points in your life, when you are at your deepest and lowest and uh, can't see your way out of survival mode, I, I don't know to what extent you can get out of that on your own. I think at that point you need others, even if it's just for the motivation of them saying you can do it. Um, and for them being there for accountability to say, what have you done today? It doesn't mean that they necessarily help you in, uh, you know, practical like financial means or actually doing things for you. But it could be that they're just there to hold up a mirror for you, to help you see how deep in survival mode you are and that they are there to support you as you start climbing your way out of the hole. So it, it plays for me into that as well. I think deep, deep survival mode is a very difficult place to escape and it can be very lonely. So having someone to turn to is going to be very important for that. Well said. Number three, being patient. Knowing what feels like forever in the moment is not. As Gary V said, the bigger the dream, the deeper the patience. And uh, being patient is a sign of respect to yourself and the process. We did a pod a little while back that the worst thing that could happen to you is you becoming successful too early. Mm. It's a disaster. You don't have the container. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the skill to contain that success. And we know this. When kids become rich too quickly, they flaunt it. They, they, they mm. waste it. When people win the lotto, they waste it. And it's just because you haven't built the character and ability to manage that. Mm. And so patience is very much for me a sign of self-respect. Now, when you respect yourself more deeply, the more patient you are, the more elegant you are. And so patience is really, as you said a couple of podcasts away uh, ago, you said mediocrity, only mediocrity brushes. And so when you're in a rush, you're just actually just in a mediocre sort of space. You know. I heard a story once that there was a king that told his best advisors that they have to bring him a piece of, advice or a, what do you call it, like a proverb, something that is applicable now and right through time um, as something that, that people can turn to, like a, a piece of wisdom. And eventually, like after much deliberation and conversation, his advisors came back with four words. This too shall pass. Yes. 
And I think when, you know, whether you're having good times or bad times, it's always worth remembering that, that everything is fleeting and we never know what the next moment's going to bring. And I know that there's been times for me in my life where when things have felt like a bit dark, and I remember this too shall pass, I'm always quite surprised at how quickly things can turn around. You know, we often think that, oh, it's been this like slow descent, it's going to take me forever to get out of this again. But it can happen pretty quickly. Uh, But it, it depends a lot on your willingness to put in the work, the consciousness level that you're at, the amount of meditation that you're doing, all those kind of things. But wherever you're at, I think it's always a good um, anchor to remind yourself that this too shall pass. Mm, Very good. I like that. Wisdom. Number four, narrative that you'll grow from struggle. This is best described by Andrew Huberman, who says our society has created something called the dopamine reward prediction error. And what it is, is that we only celebrate at the outcome of a result that we expected. And if the result is not as we expected, or the struggle to get to the result is not celebrated, we don't access dopamine, happy energy, creativity, collaboration, innovation. And so what has happened is that the economies of scale system, as well as the schooling system, has created this dopamine reward prediction error. And we all suffer from it in many, many ways. Whereas the guys who make it through the Navy SEALs, the guys who are super passionate about what they do, the most creative amongst us are the ones that are celebrating the struggle. And when you do celebrate the struggle, you allow yourself to secrete dopamine, which in the struggle gives you more energy, more innovative ideas, more just more vibe. And with that energy, vibe, and intelligence and creative ideas to get through to the finish line even easier and even quicker. And what the most amazing thing is, there's no finish line. When you get into enjoying the struggle and enjoying the mm. challenge, you just want to always be in that challenge because you reframe what it means to do a task, not to finish it, but to get stuck into it. Mm. Um, and number five is routine, which helps to activate and provides predictability. Well, you know, the routine, I think you and I are highly ritualistic people. I think it's got a pro and a con. You know, I think there's certain rituals that need to be in place, uh, I think the, the the ritual that I think is the most important, and you know this because I say it so often, is because the meditation in the morning and the evening, that ritual cocoons your day, cocoons your heart, and gets you focused. And so obviously these routines and rituals help us be even more creative, have even more energy, and it's important to create some good ones. And trying to alleviate yourself from stressing about the bad ones. Mm. I think... A lot of the times what we do is we've all got bad routines and then what we do is we scold ourselves with the bad routines. And my biggest idea is can you accept every part of yourself? Can you be absolutely okay and accepting of everything that you are? Because you are human. You are here to make mistakes. You are here to have those sort of ups and downs and you know, fall off the wagon a little bit. It's absolutely okay. And so mm. two things. Stick to the routines that are good and stop beating yourself up over the head for breaking any good routines. Yeah. I think that's always a, a, a challenge is that there's, there has to be the acceptance of who you are and what you do and uh, the fact that you are fallible and human. And then there has to still be the counterweight, which is that I'm still aiming and trying to get somewhere new and trying to be my best. And so it's like the acceptance of who I am and where I am and what's happening, but also the push to be better and try more and get to the next level, whatever that might look like. And I agree with you that 
well, we, we all have routines, whether, and most of it, unfortunately, I think, is created very unconsciously as we go through our day. And very often we create routines because it's a, it's a response to something. You know, something happens in your life, you create a new routine around it, and then that thing goes away, but the routine stays. And it, it doesn't actually mm. make sense anymore for it to be in your life. Um, like, I can give you an example. You know, when I started my morning routine uh, many years ago, what I based that on was what everyone else was doing. It was just, you know, what, what, yeah. like, typically, like, what, like those Forbes lists, you know, what is the best morning routine of high performers and billionaires? Yeah, yeah. And like, and it's like the 16 step process. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, that, it works for them. It must work for me. So you start doing this whole thing. And then at some point you're like, well, why am I doing this? I'm actually not, I'm not sure anymore. Like no. I'm doing it every day, but for what? Uh, and over the years, no. my morning routine has become more and more intentional because I know now what I need to get out of it. And that's the most important no. thing when you design these routines is that know what you need to get out of it. A morning routine can be as long or as short as possible uh, as long as you get what you need out of it. But it's not just about morning routines because routine and ritual uh, sits in every part of our day. And unfortunately, most of the time, it's, invis it's invisible. It has to be because that's part of the nature of routines that it becomes yeah. invisible. So make those routines more visible, realize what they yeah. are, ask whether they're still serving the same purpose if they did before, do they need to be changed? And I think the more intentional you are that, the richer your life becomes because routine is such an important part of it. So that brings us to a wrap on our episode for today. Uh, we are recording this just pre-GLC. So tomorrow, John kicks off the Global Leadership Conference for EO, uh, their biggest, their flagship event of the year, which we are both very fortunate to be a part of. You are kicking them off tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, I'm joining. I'll be hosting a workshop on courageous leadership. And then we are also having the expansive podcast live from GLC, which I'm super stoked about. Uh, will you be wearing that same suit or, or can we expect something else tomorrow? I have decided that I will be wearing my Japanese workwear outfit, which is what I usually wear all the time anyway. Um, it's, just what I, it's, my, it's my most comfortable outfit. When you, when you just said that, I was like trying to picture it in my head and I, I had zero reference. <laughs> So Japanese workwear is quite a big movement around the world where the materials are quite um, sort of robust materials, quite thick materials. The shirts are very simply cut and the pants are pretty cut, but they're quite like rolled up at the bottom. And so you're ready for work. And it's kind of like workwear, but it's actually become pretty cool. Carhartt started this as a brand many, many, many years ago. Mm. But now it's infiltrated into many other brands. G-Star does some of it as well, but... I uh, buy from a tailor here in Cape Town and all my clothes are Japanese workwear. That's kind of the, the terminology okay. that's used to describe hard-wearing fabrics, simply cut and rolled up at the bottom. So you've got this very simple look and you can wear the clothes over and over and over because it's workwear, but it's got a Japanese styling to it, which is very simple and, you know, very hot mm. is what it really is. Yeah, it's very hot. Hot, you know, hot, hot, <laughs> styling, bro, styling, GQ vibes, GQ vibes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, as long as you don't wear yeah, a green yeah, suit on Wednesday, then we all good. Um, yes, the man so, in the listen, green suit, uh, Eric. Like, the man the in the green. Are you? Are you seriously? Are you wearing the green of suit? Of course. Okay. Of course. Of course. Please don't show up with shorts this time. 
I'm expecting some style. I'm expecting some style. Listen, uh, well, everyone, thank you for joining. It was great spending time with you again today. Uh, as always, if you have a friend that you think could benefit from listening to this, please send it along. Uh, we think that it's also great for you and your team to be listening to this together because it can generate some new discussion for you around how do we grow and build and be ready for this uh, very interesting and exciting future that we're heading into. So make sure to listen out for next week's pod. It'll be, we'll be back, I think, on Tuesday. And until then, be expansive. Goodbye. Goodbye.